Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Every week I tell everybody it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. I also tell people when you talk about your gifts, your passion, to leave with your gifts. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews that I have on Money Making Conversation involve celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is truly an industry decision maker, Dr. Steve Perry. Dr. Perry is a national National leader in the education revolution, a change agent who is tireless in his fight for providing equal and competitive opportunities for children who otherwise would not have a voice. His mission is to provide high quality education with college bound opportunities for children in poverty. In 2020, Dr. Steve Perry opened his fifth school campus in Bronx, New York. In all, Students are admitted to the schools by random lottery in order to ensure equal access to all students, regardless of socioeconomic status or academic history. Dr. Steve Perry's mission is to provide historically disadvantaged students with the college and career readiness skills needed to become responsible, engage citizens for social justice and offering a rigorous college prep curriculum and eclectic variety of athletic programs, project-based learning, and multi-pronged faculty support. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, dear friend, my man, Dr. Steve Perry. How you doing, sir? I am the time of my life, brother. Really, genuinely, I am. And forgive me, I am in Harlem, so you will hear the sounds of the city. I have no control over that. Well, the sounds of the city, if you're in New York, I always tell people, like, I think basically seven million people live in New York proper, in Manhattan proper, and on a given day, seven to eight million will enter New York. So you can look at from 12 to 15 million people on that island. So when you say noise in New York, I say, okay. <laughs> right. I mean, because I, I have to say that everybody is not as familiar with our home as, as you are. So uh, you, you know from your time here at the Apollo that um, this is a loud a uh, low place. We know, Dr. Steve Perry, it's really interesting that, um, you know, New York, I moved to New York uh, back in 88, first time I went up to New York and lived there. And uh, it was in transition. You know, I remember I couldn't catch a cab if I was in lower New York to come to, if you say you're going across 125th Street, they wasn't going to, you you might well not even get in the cab because they weren't going to take you. Right. And then we went right. through the you know the the Central Park jogger you know situation where the five men were convicted, and, and then we then we transitioned into they'll pick you up and take you up there. And then you look at New York, 125th Street, and white people at 2 a.m. are walking their dogs. And so I just saw that this morning. <laughs> it's, it's, tripping, it's tripping me out. Like uh, it's just really tripping me out. To be it's, honest with you. And so, with you in there now, what is? Uh, why is it important? Because we're talking about different Harlem now, not the Harlem I knew, not the Harlem you read in the newspaper. What Harlem are, is uh, are you working in now? What's the environment of Harlem <laughs> that you're tied to now? Well, so it's interesting. Um, I am. Our school is currently located on 104th and Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. which if you know anything about New York is right across the street from Central Park. I mean, I can see the uh, botanical garden right outside my window. Mm-hmm. And, um, excuse me, 
we are on what's called a museum mile, which is just what you just aptly named. Behind me is the um, African-American Museum. Beneath me is El Museo, all the way down to uh, Museum of Natural History. So this area is a gorgeous area as areas go. Similarly, um, you are seeing a conversion of the brownstones purchased by mainly, uh, you can't just be middle class, you gotta be upper middle class to wealthy uh, folks, many of whom appear to be white. Um, And for them, Harlem is a place of a cultural experience. They come, many of them come to be immersed in what they believe to be the culture of Harlem. But there's still that group right over there in the Union Housing Projects, which is on the other block. So again, if you're not from New York, what I'm explaining to you would seem unconscionable, that so much happens in in so few square feet. But in the uh, 200 yards that this block is, on one side, you have some of the wealthiest real estate, arguably in America. Yes. And then... Just 200 yards on the other side, you have a couple of housing projects. Um, and then, then on the other right. side, you have a new high rise. Right. So buttressed between these, uh, stuck between these two pretty uh, expensive pieces of property, you have housing projects and rent-controlled uh, places. Uh, one of my colleagues lives in approximately, I want to be polite, it's 700 square feet. Yes. Feels like 500, but 700 square feet efficiency. And she pays $2,700 a month. That's about right. That's about right. So you're not scaring me with those numbers. See, I, 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 right. in 88, I was in the 500 square feet and I was happy. I was happy right. in 88 and I was paying a right. thousand. <laughs> but 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 so that's what it looks like. But what I work with, I work with some of the poorest kids in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I work with some of um, some of the most talented, beautiful, awesome, poor Black Latin children, um, who while around them there uh, is a call it Renaissance. I don't know if you call it a Renaissance. We're not going backwards. Um, but it is a, uh, a resetting, um, on 125th. I don't know if you remember what a path mark used to be. Absolutely. So that place. Yeah. So the path mark used, which is just, uh, which is just a block away from, um, the train station, that building was just torn down. Wow. They're about to build, they're about to build, excuse me, a very, very, very nice, uh, setup there. However, on the ground level, it's like the the land of the dead. A bunch of zombie people walking up and down 125th. It's look, it's rough. I don't know if they're homeless. I don't. I wouldn't know what they do at night, so I can only see what they do during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but people who most would consider or believe to be homeless are walking um, and staggering. Just in the shadow of this. Well, you know, the thing about it is that to make people understand the relatability of what he's saying is that because I lived in New York three times and what always threw me off was that you can't walk from wealthy to poverty in a block. And I mean, you can walk on the same block. It's the same way. Whereas in a, if you're in a traditional city, you drive to it. You drive to Literally. the hood. You drive to a, a housing project. In New York City, you walk past it. 
you know, you you walk past a doorman who secured building and you go to the next block and you're like, okay, where's my security? Where's my doorman to get me through this block? So there's a right there, that building right there has a um, security. I think that the uh, condos in there, they have to start in the low uh, ones, millions, mm -hmm. like right there. Mm -hmm. And right there, separated by 200, uh, 200 yards, mm -hmm. is public housing. It just separates, just that's what it is. And, it is. and so it is a, a tale of two nations that we're in. And what's interesting to me, is how amidst obvious wealth, how these systemic barriers of racism are so effective as to allow for the, um, the coexistence of two vastly different groups of people. Yes. And they, they never seem to understand one another. And my children, don't often understand. I have to explain to them, like, do you know what we are? I mean, they're right here. I, I, do you know what people call this? No, it's the Museum Mile. Like, this is one of the wealthy, like, this stretch right here, bro, is like the wealth, like, it doesn't, again, I'll put it this way. So on the other side of the park, just so for people to understand, like, just over there is Trump Tower. Mm -hmm. So I'm here. I can almost see it over there. I know exactly what you're at. So we're talking about the kind of wealth that's jaw-dropping right there and the kind of poverty that's equally jaw-dropping. Mm -hmm. And here we are in the middle attempting to carve a new door because, as you know, Carter G. Woodson said that if you send a man to the back door enough and there is no back door... When he gets there, he will cut one for himself. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to teach our children to go through a different door. Really, the children and the parents simultaneously. We've been doing this for a long time. Do you ever get what? What frustrates you about the process of what you're trying to do? What really frustrates me uh, and really trips me out is that <laughs> I thought we'd be done by now. <laughs> I honestly, I thought when. I thought when charter schools started to open mm -hmm. and we were able to show that you could take the same black children, same Latin children in the same address from the same families and put them in a different school. And those children would be able to read on grade level, write on grade level, do math on grade level, go to college at the rates of anywhere from 90 to hundred percent upon graduation. Again, I told you, you're going to hear this. Um, it is, uh, I figured this country, and, and, and for what it's worth, the president who got us started down that road was President Bush, right. too. But the person who really kicked it into um, full gear was President Obama. Mm -hmm. So I figured as soon as we show that you can take children from wherever they come and help them ascend to the highest highs that, I mean, both sides of the aisle. I figured maybe the Republicans would trip because they're not as committed to black and brown people as the Democrats say they are. So maybe there'll be some rub there, 
But other than that, we should be cool because they're freedom-loving people and they want the freedom of school choice. That's what I thought. I could not be more wrong. The Democrats have been the most ardent opponents of the very escape route that we need to use to get out of the poverty that, in many cases, their uh, policies have plunged us into. Uh, sadly, the Republicans are so uh, inept around issues of class and race that anything that comes out of their mouths, people think is racist, even when they're making uh, headway in policies of school choice. So. What frustrates me is that I find myself with these lying politicians all the time. I mean, right. they get on my nerves. Like, Bro, I'm not even lying to you. Just some of them are people who I know, like friends, people in my house. It, it, it is it is a uh, peculiar paradox that I find myself in because I, you know, I just did a walkthrough in one of our schools here in Harlem and had to, you know, tighten up some kids by not being in uniform the way they're supposed to be, doing that very micro thing. Mm -hmm. But then from there, I have to have a macro conversation with the legislator about something that's just, it's just foolish, man. I, I don't even, it sickens me that we're still having these conversations. It, it is, and I might add, where I really, 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 really was wrong was I felt like if I, as a black man, committed to the black community, came to members of the black community, and I'm being completely transparent because you're my guy. I felt like I would be able to get from black legislators, um, black wealthy people, the kind of support that our children need. And let me be clear, they're not putting any money in my pocket. They're not increasing my salary. They don't make my house bigger mm -hmm. at all, mm -hmm. actually. When they give money to us, when they create legislation that creates more opportunities for schools like ours to open, my salary does not move. Right. You know, despite my wife's interest in, and son's interest in my salary moving. <laughs> in fact, my one of my sons, one of my sons goes to school with a person who runs a large charter network. Mm -hmm. And she makes a considerable amount more than I do. Mm -hmm. And he said, he says to me all the time, do you ever get frustrated by that? I don't. I didn't get into this for that. I got in because I feel so blessed to be a part of our children's lives. I can't believe that God wakes me up of all the people. Brother Rashawn, I'm telling you, I can't. And you know this. And, and this is what we talk about when there's no cameras on, when Absolutely. there's nobody watching, mm -hmm. there's no BS, anything. I can't believe that God wakes this clown up to uh, a part of like I just like in this way, it's just the most awesome experience. So, I mean, do I enjoy earning a living? I do, mm -hmm. but I want to make it clear. And 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 if I made sixty billion dollars doing it because I help kids, would that be a bad thing? No, I mean, have it be people who do great things, but that is not what happens. Right. <laughs> what actually happens right. is when they give money, when they create legislation presents opportunities for us to be able to serve more children. What that means is I can hire more people who Absolutely. can create more classrooms Absolutely. so that we can have more children. That's it.
Dr. Perry, when we talk about the five schools that you have, this is for my audience who's listening and who also are watching. It basically, what is the attendance size of the school? What is the age range of the curriculum schedule? The new one that you have in, in the Bronx, how does that work? Because we know about the, the lottery system to get in. Are they all located in the New York, Connecticut area? Where are they located, these five schools? They are. Thank you so much for asking a, a, a thoughtful question like that, because most people don't. <laughs> Um, so we have, uh, we have two sites in Connecticut, uh, in Bridgeport. Well, we actually have three. So we have one in Hartford. I'm not affiliated with that one anymore. I'll explain to you why in a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the first school. And then, um, we have two sites in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and they're about 400 apiece. And then we have, uh, in Harlem, we have one that will be about 800. And then we have the one in the Bronx that'll be about 800. So the one we did in Hartford is what was around 800. So, and then some of them are broken into multiple sites. Mm -hmm. So that's where the numbers are. Yeah, roughly 3,000. Mm -hmm. Look, and so when you, when you, recently there's, there's 3,000 students that you, because you, you're getting the hard students, the poverty driven students. So 3,000 students that you're giving a different way of life. They wouldn't have that different way of life academically if you didn't have a vision or feel blessed to get up. It's not about the money. It's about providing an opportunity and escape to a better life, basically what you're doing with these students and their families, too, because the kids benefit. They they do the things they're supposed to do, go to college. Hopefully they can pay it forward and go pick their family and move them forward as well. That's your dream. Politicians, people who think they're undertones of greed tied to this. What do, you, what do you want out of it? Those those frustrating lanes. But then you see the results. The students who have left your school, how does that make you feel, Doc? Again, so this weekend, great question, great question. So this weekend I went to two graduation parties, mm -hmm. college graduation parties. And to have, have those parents one one graduation I went to, um, young lady graduated from Seton Hall, and um, to have the parents who are no longer together, actually recently uh, divorced, to have them each separately come over to me and thank me, I don't feel worthy, um, is what I honestly feel. When dad came over to me and he said, you know, she couldn't have done it without you, I said, brother, come on. <laughs> I'm just a spectator in this one. Like, okay. no, you know, it's your school, and I appreciate it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank you for the flowers that you're giving me while I'm still up here, and I'm gonna appreciate that. But I, I mean, come on, this, this is this. No person can do this. This is not what people can do. This is God. So, um, you know, but, but you I, know, Doctor Perry, Doctor Steve Perry, I, I can stop you right there because I know it in a long time. Because you are, and I've always criticize you for your humbleness. You know, you know, you are a vessel. It is God's work. But you get up. I know your wife. I know your boys. They sacrifice. Okay. They sacrifice they time. You go on the road to speak to kids that you don't know. I've seen it. You go to camps hot in the summer, talking to boys you don't know, trying to just give them a nugget of information that will change their life. And so I got the humbleness, but they are right. You're that blessing. You're that. You're the. You're the kid. You're the kid who grew up, become a man, and say, "You know, something. I want to make a difference." 
And that difference has to be in other people. So what triggered that? That's what I need to know. What triggered that? So I, I appreciate that. I, I, as you know, I'm, I'm wickedly competitive. I, I understand somebody has to lose. It just never has to be me. There you go. So, um, so for me, I want to be the, when this thing is done, when, when the box is mine and the dirt drums on top of it, I want to be the best who's ever done it. I don't, I, I don't, I want to, that will be evidence that I took what little bit that I came into the game with and, and I flipped it. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at cats who, who are comparably positioned in their industries um, who do things differently, different than I do, who earn, you know, who do something different than I do. You I mean, I see where they are and I think I want to be even them. Yes. But but the beating part is is less about ego and more about service, meaning that when I win, we win. But one of the things I've always appreciated about you, Sean, is that you are committed to extending blessings to other people, to give give opportunities to other cats and identify talented individuals and help them build whatever it is that they yes. have. And, and have that turn into something meaningful. Um, when, when you're that kind of person, you build a team of people who will always be there for you. And so to your point, um, my farewell comments to the first school that we were at, the school that we founded, um, when I left, what I said, my sons attend my schools. And um, what I said was thank you to them for all of the nights that you went to bed and I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. All of the mornings that you woke up and I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that I, my hope and prayer is that one day when you feel like I'm the worst human being on earth, you will come across somebody who will take the time to say thank you for the time that you yes. contributed to my life by allowing your father to help us to build the schools in our community. I mean, I, one of the things that trips me out, Rashawn, is I don't understand how people who, I do and I don't, how people who do what I do could ever be seen as controversial. I don't know what's controversial about black people opening up schools in the black community except for the fact that it's black people open up schools in the black community, right. which means ostensibly self-determination. It means that we're not waiting for anybody. I'm not asking anybody. I'm not asking anybody permission. I don't ask when we're writing curriculum. I don't say, do you think this is going to offend people? I don't think yes. there's anybody. Yes. Not my, that's not my problem. It doesn't offend me. Right. So I'm good. <laughs> if it offends you, then don't go send your child to my school. Well, you know, the beauty of you, Dr. Steve Perry, one of the leading voices of you know, when he says that about his sons, I remember it was a run that every year I watched them grow. You know, I watched them grow. Everything pop up, you know, I, I annual camp. Mason's going into <laughs> sophomore year. You know what I'm saying? You know, and go crazy. to the camps and Steve Harvey and then go to the Dreamers Academy. So at least twice a year I watch them grow up, you know. And the yeah. beauty of that is that respect. They understood their dad. They understood his mom. They, they knew the value of, 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 of effort. They knew the value of, 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 of making a difference. And when I look at you and I look at the progress that you made as a person, I have to honestly admit uh, that 
you know, we, we the television route has been made available to you. You just did the uh, Fix My Life episode series, uh, her last season. Where is that in your life? Or is 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 being on television a, a need or a priority? Or what's going on in your life from a television perspective, Dr. Steve Perry? So, you know, I, television for me is a vehicle to tell the story of the work that we're doing in the community, mm -hmm. as you know. Mm -hmm. And what your viewers are getting access to is the kind of conversation that you and I have had two, 300 times. It's the same conversation where, you know, you've seen uh, people present me with TV projects and I've never, I don't turn them down. It's not my thing, but my focus is primarily on running the schools. I know that's crazy for some people who, who whose air is to be seen by people, but I know that there's another side to that. There's a cost to that as well, as you mm -hmm. well know. And um, you can't unring that bell. Uh, so I am so grateful to uh, Iyanla and Oprah for the opportunity and the opportunities. You also know this, you never know what's gonna happen with television. So, <laughs> so the conversation is, I'll put it this way, and you know, you understand this as well. I'll be as specific as I can without there you go. Getting myself jammed up. Um, there is fevered conversation between a number of entities as to what to do, because there's there's been a and there's been a long interest from far back as when we did say my son mm -hmm. of extending that work. There are people who are still very interested in that. Some of those people are in positions of power at networks. Some of them are in, uh, at streaming services. And I think that they wanted to see how uh, how the most recent, you know, I don't know if they want to see if I still got it, but they, uh, <laughs> they, they wanted to see it again in person. Right. So they got to see that again. Right. And um, I think that, I think that the Oprah Winfrey Network, among others, if I'm going to be really frank with you, I think that the Oprah Winfrey Network, among others, um, saw the universal, pos universally positive reaction to the work. I think that people were, I think I'll just tell you what people said, the internet was a buzz mm -hmm. with uh, very, very, very high positives. And you know how hard that is to achieve. Well, you know, I'm gonna um, just tell you this, you know, because we know where we're going. Everybody sees you serious. You, 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 you are a fun guy. You know, we we, yeah. rare, we rarely see you smile. You know, you like, right. you know, you know what a party is. So, That's so right. I, I know that you, you got to keep in loop with this because I'm telling you, man, I cannot let them not see the three, the full 360 of you. You know, yeah. yes, you're passionate. Yes, you're driven to change. But man, come on now. Can, can we see you smile on TV, Dr. Steve Perry? Can we see that? Can we see well, that? Yeah. We, you, want, you know, when it, what is it, you know it, what it is, is it's hard to smile when I'm trying to save a kid's life. I know, that ain't really fun. And that's usually what you get to see me do. Right. Um, but they don't get to see, they don't get to see uh, us in hot ass Texas mm -hmm. just <laughs> sitting back cooking meat and laughing for hours, literally trying not to get eaten by every mosquito on earth. Um, they don't see that because it's just not an opportunity. But, but, but listen to have. me when I say that, when I say that, that uh, reason I'm dropping that into your conversation, because that's you. 
Because see yeah. what happens, what happens with producers see things a certain way. Because that's their mind. I'm telling you, you change lives on the different levels. You can smile and change a child's life. I've seen you do that on a regular yeah. basis. I've seen you at Disney. I've seen you at camps. I've seen you at other speaking opportunities. We smile. We walked in the room. We make a decision. I'm just telling you, if that television opportunity presents itself, please be you at all levels. That's and all so I that's, And I appreciate you saying that. One of the challenges... So again, let's just have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why the TV one thing didn't work out mm -hmm. is because I couldn't do what I think they wanted me to do, which is to get up in boys' chests and mm -hmm. and and sit your ass down, blah. I don't talk to kids like that. Right. Like, I don't. I don't talk to kids like that. I, I talk to mine like that sometimes, but not mm -hmm. everybody else's. And I can take liberties with mine because they're mine. Mm -hmm. But I don't even take. I try to avoid taking them even with them because nobody responds really well to that. I say all that to say. One of the challenges there is about capturing that part, of the, the nuances of my personality. They wanted something I didn't have. Similarly, when Fox, when I was doing the, the daytime uh, piece with Fox, then they it, it's it's like the polls. They either won the, the you know, like I'll bust kind of uh, uh Joe Clarky guy. Right. And the other one they want is this goofy Wayne Brady ca character. And I'm not dissing Wayne Brady, but you understand what I'm saying. Like right. it's just this goofy, uh, uh, amorphous. You know, you could tell he's African American, but you're not going to hear anything about his <laughs> right. cultural underpinnings as they relate to. Right. That's not going to come through. They wanted me to be something that almost was Kelly Clarkson slash Ellen Ask. And sure, we can have those kinds of conversations, no doubt. That's what you and I would do. We have those kinds of conversations, but I'm not silly. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a silly person. That's, mm -hmm. I'm just not. Never mm -hmm. have been, never will be. Mm -hmm. um, there are different ways in which we can laugh and be relatable mm -hmm. that are still respectful of who we are as men. Like, you're not a silly. I don't, anybody want to say Rashawn, silly. Like, that's, that's just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you laugh, you joke, but anybody can call you silly. You're right. a serious cat right. who spent a, a lot of time in making people laugh for a living, but is serious about your business. Absolutely. You know, the thing about it, I'm going to wrap up here is that, because uh, I want to talk to some stuff offline as well about this, because you're right. That's my life. My life is about uh, shaping people's opportunities. My life is about giving some stuff that may not even benefit me. And when I look at you, you've always been a benefit, not only to me, but the people around me and the people that I invited you into the world to make a change. Dr. Steve Perry, you're a blessing, brother. Your family's a blessing. And the fact you have five schools is going to be more. And when you leave this earth, you will be that game changer. You will be that competitive guy that said, I made a difference. And then people will show up and show you as they line up and walk past that casket and tell you thank you and cry and, and remember the he made a difference in my life, my children's life, and my grandparents' life, and made, created a next legacy of uh, growth and opportunity for kids who didn't have it. And you know, just, seeing you, you, just, just seeing you, man, I'm just telling you, brother, you're special. You've always been special to me, man. And uh, we don't talk enough. I will tell you that. I will be, I will be remiss in not saying that. And we need to start talking more. Let's do it. And let uh, me know when. Okay, it's going to happen as soon as I hang up this this call here, my brother, with you. This video show. We're going to talk some more after this. <laughs> but I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Okay. All right. My pleasure. Cool. If you want to hear or see any of my Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.